Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Hope you had a good weekend. Some of the dry areas stayed dry over the weekend, although other parts of the country got some much-needed rain. We're going to go through all that with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson on the program today and see who might get some rain yet this week. Also joining us today, Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. Lots to talk about. Supreme Court nominee, Farm Bill, Trade, RFS. We'll get the Senator's thoughts on all those issues coming up in just a bit. And we're about six weeks away from the Farm Progress Show in Boone, Iowa. And our preview series continues today. Matt Youngman, Director of Trade Shows for Farm Progress, will give us an update on where they're at getting ready for this year's big show in Boone. But joining us right now to kind of take a look at the week ahead, AgriPulse Communications editor and publisher Sarah Wyant joins us. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm doing great, Mike. How about yourself? Very good. Is this the week we get some more movement on the farm bill, you think? Well, uh, obviously there are discussions going on at the staff level, and a lot of folks are trying to weigh in on what should be a preference on some of the conferees. But uh, the chairman of the House Agriculture Committee, Mike Conaway, told us that it may take a little longer than he originally expected and that getting it done before the end of July could be hard. So uh, I think procedurally they're going to work on getting a vote in the House on moving to conference, but it looks more and more like formal talks may not begin until August. Uh, That's not necessarily a bad thing. Some folks might think that perhaps by slow walking this a little bit, they'll come back after the August recess and be all wrapped up to actually get something done before the bill expires at the end of September. But, uh, you know, it's kind of a wait and see thing on, on how fast they can move when they do get started. Well, we know that uh, House Ag Committee Chair Mike Conaway and Ranking Member Colin Peterson had not spoken in quite some time, but evidently they finally did last week, and maybe it didn't go all so well. That's what we heard as well. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, pent-up angst (laughs) between the two. There's been a lot of different things that have gone on on the House floor, comments between Democrats and Republicans uh, in a committee that is normally so bipartisan everything really uh, fell apart in terms of that sort of record in this farm bill but um, it sounds like that Mr. Peterson has kept true to his word that he wants to stand with the Senate side of the bill and so we'll see if it's truly going to be three against one or how everything is going to shape up but I don't think that Chairman Conaway is going to want to back down at all from the work requirements that he's added to the nutrition title because those are very, very important to getting passage in the House. But at the same time, if he keeps those in there as strict as they are now, they're going to have a really tough time trying to get anything passed in the Senate. So we're doing a deep dive this week on just what the actual differences are beyond work requirements so that people can kind of see what is at stake during the conference committee. It is really complicated. They need probably need that language to get it passed in the House, but that language could keep it getting passed by the Senate. But yet, there again, the language is probably needed uh, to get the president's approval as well. 
Well, he signaled that he's certainly a fan of the work requirements that basically require people who are able-bodied and don't have young children to go through some training and, and seek work uh, if they're going to be eligible for our supplemental nutrition assistance program. But he hasn't threatened a veto if they're not in there. So I think you have to look very carefully about the statements that have come out of the administration just to see certainly both Republicans and Democrats and a leader of the Senate, Mitch McConnell, he's made it very clear he wants a farm bill. So there's political pressure there to get it done before the midterms. And that may be the boost that uh, everybody needs to find some compromise. Yeah. And would the president veto a farm bill in light of all the uh, trade tensions and concerns that are out there? And let's talk about that. Members of Congress uh, talking about trying to take steps to uh, curb some of this uh, uh, tariff and trade tension that's going on around the world. Well, they're certainly trying, and you're going to hear a lot more Wednesday when a subcommittee in the House Ways and Means Committee takes up a hearing on the effects of tariffs on U.S. farmers, agriculture, and rural communities. So it'll be another headline this week. You may have seen, Mike, that China filed a complaint against the United States at the World Trade Organization this morning. So trade will continue to be in the headlines. I think that uh, our report this morning on what uh, occurred in Mexico over the weekend was a little bit heartening and that you had Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and Secretary of the Treasury Steve Mnuchin and others visiting with both the current president of Mexico and the incoming, the newly elected president of Mexico, about the importance of getting a NAFTA deal done. So that was a little bit more heartening. But uh, the markets certainly aren't responding in a way that indicates that people are feeling really good about our trade prospects right now. And I know you're following that closely. You know, whenever I hear a country filing a WTO complaint against us, I figure we're one step closer to President Trump pulling out of the, or threatening more to pull out of the WTO. He certainly talked about it in the past, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. But um You know, there are a lot of things that I think are happening in China right now that are putting pressure on that country internally. Their economy is kind of slowed. Uh, These tariffs are putting some other pressure on them. So uh, it's something that we're watching on a daily basis just to make sure that we're providing all of our producers as much information as we can on what may change there if, if there can be enough pressure. Well, certainly a lot of questions. Interesting, because the EU seem seemingly in position to benefit from some of this, but yet they're actually, uh, uh, looks like they're pushing for some type of agreement between the U.S. and China to calm things down. Yes, absolutely. And I think uh, there's certainly an international feeling that, you know, it would be great if, if we can have cooler heads prevail here. Uh, as I said, there's there seems to be just uh, so many moving parts in this right now that it, it's hard to see how we're going to, to climb out of it in the short term. It's going to be a long-term battle. And as you and I have discussed before, it's very unclear how the administration is going to support producers, whether there be some sort of a payment or a purchase of commodities uh, under Section 32. I mean, there's all sorts of questions about how the administration is going to help people In the meantime, this fall, lenders are going to be asking some tough questions. And as one farmer told me the other day, I can't put Donald Trump on my balance sheet and have anybody convinced that that's going to help, you know, over the long term. So um, I think growers have been willing to try to 
hold out and be the patriots that Secretary Purdue has asked them to be, but, you know, that only goes so far. Yeah, that short-term pain, you wonder how short-term it's going to be. Uh, I don't think it's going to be very short-term. I think it's going to be a long-term play, uh, and so... Um, whether we see these uh, extra $200 billion in tariffs uh, be enacted, that's the next step after the $34 billion that we've already uh, called out for 25% tariffs. Uh, we've talked to a lot of the pork producers, who I'm sure you have too, and the soybean growers, who are, uh, they're, they're starting to lose some patience, I believe. All right, Sarah, it'll be another interesting week ahead. Thanks for the update. You're very welcome. Appreciate Take it. Take care. Sarah Wyatt, editor and publisher of AgriPulse Communications. Well, we'll talk about some of those issues next. A Washington update with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Stay with us. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room. Weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for four seasons now. 
To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Lots to talk about with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley in our Washington Update today. Senator, thanks for being with us. Hey, I'm always glad to be with you, and it happens that I run into the, uh, at DCA, that's the uh, airport here, and I ran into somebody that's head of one of our close by state farm bureaus, and he says he enjoys hearing me on your program and thanking me for speaking up for agriculture. Well, that's great. All right, well, let's talk about uh, the Supreme Court nominee, uh, uh, Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, you've indicated this uh, uh, confirmation process may take a while. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, the average of the last few is about 66 days. I could give you an extreme of uh, more recent one, maybe 89 days, and maybe one that was uh, closer than 66 days. But right now, there are so many records that this gentleman has, besides his 300 uh, cases that he wrote, besides uh, 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 documents uh, that he, uh, you know, law journals he wrote for, et cetera, et cetera. He was White House counsel in the Bush administration, and a secretary, uh, all the papers went through him. So there's a large number of documents out there that we're going to have to maybe not review all of them, or maybe just a small percentage of them. Who knows? Uh, we're in the process of trying to get a handle on that. So it's pretty difficult for me to tell you, other than it's very necessary that this person be approved uh, uh, before the next election. Obviously, there's opposition. There was going to be opposition no matter who the president picked. But have you seen anything so far that would be a red flag uh, for you in this process for uh, uh, Judge Kavanaugh? No, just the opposite. You know, I'm looking for judges, whether it's district, circuit, or Supreme Court, that leave their personal views out that they don't have a political agenda, that they look at the facts of the case and the law or the Constitution under which that case is uh, being argued, and uh, just uh, basis on the law and the facts. Uh, I want somebody that's, uh, on, particularly on the Supreme Court, that's uh, pretty darn smart and have a good record, and uh, most of the people already on the Supreme Court fall into that category. And obviously, Kavanaugh does. As chair of the Judiciary Committee, what's your time? I mean, how would how does this play out? As you mentioned, it's going to take a while. You got a lot to go through. But how? What's the series of events that we'll be watching here? Well, I think right now, all twenty-one members of the committee better have their staff start digging through everything we know that needs to go through, the 300 cases, his law review articles, the speeches he gives, things he's written, things that are pretty much uh, uh, are going to be the main determinant of whether you're going to vote for or against him being on the Supreme Court. They better start that right now. And then even if we follow the usual uh, average of 66 days, it'd probably be 40 days, before we get to a hearing anyway. 
but uh, but I don't. Uh, I'm I'm not going to uh, narrow myself into 66 days. We have a constitutional responsibility. We got to do our job thoroughly, and it's going to take uh, it, it's going to take a lot of hard work, whether it's 66 days or 100 days. So, barring finding something uh, that you have not found so far, you think it's a good pick? Oh, absolutely. In fact, uh, the day that Kennedy resigned, I was called down at the White House for the president's wanting my opinion on who ought to follow. I was very generous to the president, uh, being satisfied that this is the first president in the history of our country that ever told people ahead of time the type of person he's going to put on the Supreme Court. So he put out a list of about 25. So I said, I've had a chance to be acquainted with the general record of the 25. Anyone that's uh, on the list of 25 would be satisfactory to me because they fall into this description that I gave you about what I'm looking for in a Supreme Court justice. And then maybe a week later, I had a telephone conversation with him, and he asked me what I thought. And I said, uh, uh, I've been uh, reviewing the five people that the television tells me you've interviewed, and any one of those five would be okay with me. So unlike last time when Gorsuch was up, I was promoting uh, an Eighth Circuit uh, Circuit Court of Appeal, a guy from Iowa uh, that obviously wasn't selected in the final analysis, but this time I decided not to have a personal person that I was going to be lobbying for. All right, we're talking with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. Let's move on to the RFS. We've learned some more now about how former EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt handled uh, RFS and and refinery exemptions and things like that. What are your thoughts on what we know now, and what do you see in Andrew Wheeler, the interim, as he takes over? Uh, In regard to Pruitt, he didn't follow the law that said that these waivers should only be given in hardship cases. And uh, the massive amount he gave and giving to companies that made a billion and a half dollar profit or to Marathon, which I think speaks for itself, not being hardship cases, um, that, uh, that uh, he uh, didn't keep his promise of 15 billion gallons. Yeah, he said 15 billion gallons, but when you subtract the waivers, it gets down to 13.5 billion gallons, so we get cheated out of 10% of our ethanol being used, and that's obviously going to have a, uh, an impact on the price of corn. Um, then Wheeler uh, was in my office prior to his confirmation, and you always try to nail people down what they think about ethanol. And I took a lot of notes, and I don't have them in front of me, but I can tell you almost everything was very positive about uh, ethanol and some of it contrary to what uh, Pruitt was was doing at that particular time. So I, I, I'm hopeful that we have uh, only hardship waivers, and not in addition to having the hardship waivers, that the waiver, uh, the gallons that are waived are reallocated to other blending, so we don't have a gross of 15 billion gallons. We have a net of 15 billion gallons. So you think reallocation is still a possibility then? Well, otherwise, uh, then we've got to have higher requirements for uh, for blending. 
So you're more optimistic that Wheeler will follow the law rather than the way that Pruitt went? Yes. Well, maybe I better say the next time you call me, I may have a different point of view. But right now, (laughs) not talking to him other than when we talked before he was confirmed about three three months ago, I believe, uh, I'm... We're going to set up a meeting with him to answer all these questions. So maybe the next time we talk, I'll have a different view. But right now, it's very positive. Very good. Uh, what's not positive right now, uh, concerns about uh, trade, and we have all these trade issues. Uh, some members of Congress talking about uh, stepping in and trying to do something about the, some of these trade policies, the tariffs and the retaliations going on. Is that a role for Congress or not? Yeah, but not in. Uh, I don't think that we could get anything done in regard to the immediate problem we have. But I do. I have come to the conclusion that in the 1963 Kennedy trade law and the 1974 trade law, both of them before I came to Congress, obviously, uh, I think that there is too much delegation of authority to the president, too much discretion. I think we need to review all those laws. And I'm not saying that not some uh, discretion needs to be given to the president because Congress can't uh, do things on a daily basis. Uh, like uh, one person the president can do. So you got to give some leeway to the president on administering a law. But we gave, uh, Congress gave away too much in the 1963 and 1974 laws. Is trade the biggest issue, biggest concern you're hearing from uh, folks back home? Absolutely, particularly among agriculture people. But it's also an understanding that uh, if agriculture is hurting, there's a ripple effect through the entire economy of my state and most Midwestern states. I'm also hearing, though, from farmers who are hurting as a result of the lower price prices, uh, support for the president doing what he's doing because he's on the right track. Uh, his goal being to, if saying to other countries, to other countries, if you're for free trade, you got higher tariffs than we have. Lower your tariffs, and uh, the the principle is a very very good principle. If you're for free trade, then let's free up your trade. In other words, this is another way of saying it: the president feels that the United States did the right thing after World War II, having lower tariffs and helping other countries develop their economy, uh, but. Uh, the the time is up for uh, other countries to start being fair to the United States like we've been fair to them for 70 years. Our time is up, too. Thank you, Senator. Okay, goodbye. Iowa Senator Charles Grassley on AOA. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. 
from the American Ag Network. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 800-352-1402. That's 800-352-1402. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. In the grain and oil seed sector, we have a Monday mix. Corn futures trending two to three higher an hour into the day, 11 to 12 higher in soybeans. Wheat futures trending two to three cents lower, Chicago, Kansas City, and Minneapolis. Sellers pounding the November soybean contract to a fresh low on Friday. The monthly continuation chart showing beans on the verge of a technical breakdown. Sustained declines below the 844 zone could leave the continuation contract vulnerable to a retest of the 777 low from December 2008 and potentially even lower levels, according to the wire talk. An hour in, November beans treading water around 847. December corn closed lower on the daily and weekly charts on Friday. We saw mixed overnight trade trending a bit better on this early Monday. Support forming last week for new crop December at 350 and a quarter. If that zone gives way this week, the next downside targets are seen on the charts at 335 and a half. That'd be the low from December 2017. Then 328 and a half, the low from September 2017. The Western Corn Belt expecting moderate rain amounts the next few days, followed by a few days of the same in the Eastern Corn Belt. USDA's crop progress numbers Monday afternoon could show slightly lower crop ratings for corn and soybeans, but still overall pretty high ratings for this time of year. Livestock at the Merck, live cattle futures firm to 45 cents higher, 35 to 40 lower in feeder cattle. Lean hog futures, a mix nearby, a dime on either side of steady. The Dow down 13. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, let's talk weather with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, I know over the weekend some areas got some much-needed rain, but some dry areas stayed dry. The rains missed them again. 
Very true, Mike. Uh, there's been a uh, persistent uh, round of drought that has uh, pretty much moved out of the southern plains into uh, the southwestern part of the, of the Midwest. And um, I didn't see anything pretty much north of Interstate 70 in Missouri uh, where uh, rainfall happened over the weekend. Uh, we know that um, there is already silage that is being uh, chopped in north-central Missouri and in east-central Kansas uh, because it's been so dry that uh, producers have to get something uh, for some kind of value out of the plants before they just completely shrivel up. And uh, this is a full month ahead of schedule, practically. Uh, so this uh, portion of the Corn Belt, in some respects, is already harvested and is already done. Uh, but meanwhile, in much of the remainder of, uh, of the belt, of the Corn Belt, uh, you're going to, uh, you know, have a uh, pretty good week uh, with uh, milder temperatures, certainly quite cool over the northern third of the uh, belt, and then uh, there will still be some uh, periodic rains and uh, some opportunities for crops to uh, maybe recover from a little stress here recently, moving along uh, quite well uh, when we get into the uh, last couple weeks of July now. For those areas, especially in Missouri, they're so dry, any relief really in sight for them? Uh, minimal, uh, when you think about it. Uh, the only the only benefit uh, is going to be, you know, a few showers here and there around the, the real hot upper ridge uh, in the atmosphere that is kind of parked over uh, Texas right now, and it's going to then move uh, farther to the uh, southwest over the next uh, few days or so. But... Uh, I think that there could be some uh, later season benefit, maybe helping soybeans out uh, because of the later uh, flowering time frame and so forth for soybeans. But as far as corn is concerned, uh, I'm afraid that the damage is already done. You and I, I know, have seen pictures of of corn uh, development, uh, the new ears of uh, corn for this uh, season that uh, show basically nothing in the way of pollination success in uh, a good half of the uh, ear of the new uh, cob just because there wasn't any moisture to work with well we know that once uh, that happens uh, you know that's the story for the uh, for the season in that plant and i think that that's where we're at right now and meanwhile it has to be really hard for those folks to hear about how good the crops are looking in other areas and how the the crop condition reports those numbers come out each week so showing you know good good conditions for the most part overall and uh, some areas are very very good uh, such as in parts of Illinois very good oh yeah no doubt about it uh, you know crop ratings may decline by a couple percentage points uh, on the good to excellent side today but uh, they're still quite high uh, relative to uh, history and uh, the next week is going to put showers into that eastern half of the Midwest, uh, maybe even a little bit on the heavier side. Um, Farther to the north, I had uh, a note from uh, one of our DTN subscribers uh, in south-central Minnesota over the weekend who said that uh, the drier pattern that they've had here recently has uh, been quite favorable because, you know, they had a whole lot of uh, rain and, uh, uh, you know, saturated soils, so they actually needed uh, needed drier conditions to happen. So it uh, really is remarkable that in uh, a distance of just about 400 miles, that's all it is, from central Missouri to south-central Minnesota, you have that kind of a difference 
uh, a real uh, stark contrast in, in the welfare of, of crop conditions. And uh, I think that that kind of variability is going to take a little while to really play itself out. But we will likely see it when it comes to harvest. You know, Mike, I'm, I'm trying to think. I want to say it was possibly in 2005 and even in 2010 when there was uh, mid to late season dryness that, that really made its way into uh, crop conditions. And uh, when we got into the October uh, crop estimate, we started seeing a notable decline in acreage uh, for harvested uh, acreage in corn because there had been, um, you know, some, uh, some circumstances where growers just uh, went ahead and, and chopped uh, the plants instead of uh, tried to harvest for grain because, you know, the grain wasn't there. But it didn't show up in the numbers until October. And, and we could be in for a, a similar type uh, happening this year when you think about those acres that, like I say, are being, uh, are being reduced to a silage instead of uh, corn for grain because of how dry it was. Well, every year there are the extremes. It's just uh, I think what stands out this year, as, as you, you just mentioned and we've talked about before, how small of an area uh, you see those extremes in this year. It's not like it's in one side of the country as opposed to the other. It's in a relatively small area, these, uh, these uh, great extremes from uh, dry to uh, and damaged crops to very good crops. We're talking with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, here we are now mid-July. What's it look like temperatures here for the rest of the month? Well, the big feature is, uh, Mike, that uh, overall over, over the Midwest and then through the Northern Plains, uh, the, the pattern is going to be one that has generally uh, a northerly airflow to it, and that is going to lead to a milder temperature trend. There's no doubt about that. I mean, uh, when we look at uh, the next uh, five days for sure, uh, we are going to see temperatures that are going to be, uh, during the daytime, probably running uh, around anywhere from... Uh, six to uh, 10 degrees below average and maybe maybe even a little bit cooler than that when you get into northern minnesota and then north dakota into uh, the canadian prairies along with the northern great lakes but over the remainder of the midwest uh, temperatures are going to be anywhere from probably three to uh, five to seven degrees below average and then during the overnight uh, we've talked about uh, how warm it's been at night and everybody's experienced that well, the overnight low temperatures uh, during the next week are going to be running from about average to maybe even three to five degrees below average. Uh, this is going to be uh, very good uh, for every everything and everyone uh, because it is going to cut back on temperature stress and and uh, it's going to be better for crop conditions. Now, uh, that's going on here in the central part of the country. Uh, when you get into the southern plains, it is still going to be basically on the hotter and drier side uh, with a lot of temperatures during the day running about 10 degrees above average and then overnight anywhere from 3 to uh, 6 or 7 degrees above. And over the northwest, uh, in uh, the Pacific Northwest interior, the Great Basin, uh, we're going to have uh, temperatures overnight uh, in the uh, range of about uh, 10 to 15 degrees above normal, and then during the daytime, uh, right around 5 to 10 degrees above normal. So that's where the, the real hot conditions are going to focus. Um, I don't see any real relief for the uh, southern plains from 
uh, Oklahoma south through central Texas, and then in the northwest as well. It's going to get uh, quite hot and stay that way as we look ahead to the next week and a half. All right, let's take our look around the world. What are uh, some of the conditions to be watching? The um, the crops in Russia actually had some pretty good rains over the weekend, uh, the best rains they've had all season. Um, I, I am a soccer fan, and so I watched the end of the World Cup tournament yesterday, and as, the, as everybody was getting their medals and so forth at the end of the game, uh, here the rains opened up in Moscow, and uh, you had to, you know, the umbrellas started uh, coming up, and everybody, everybody wrecked their suit for the occasion and all that type of thing. But what that tells me is that also the crop areas in southern Russia and Ukraine got pretty good rains. That's going to stabilize things, but it's not going to help the wheat crop out any. Um, it may improve conditions a little bit for their oilseed crops. In Europe, meanwhile, uh, the wheat crop, Mike, is pretty well dialed in, around 12 to 15 percent below last year because of how dry it's been. Australia is quite dry. We know that. Their crop is going to be down. Their wheat crop will be down probably about 20 percent from a year ago. And uh, then in, uh, in Russia and Ukraine, the wheat crop is also quite a bit lower. And one other place that is going to get some attention as we go farther into this summer and the fall is China. Uh, northeast China is drier, and if they don't get a whole lot of rain pretty soon, uh, their their uh, crop uh, numbers could come in a little bit lower than they have been projected at. Now, that's going to you know be one of these details that plays out eventually, but that is one weather feature that is certainly uh, a prominent one right now when you think about how the northeast China row crops are getting along. Also, as you think about the trade tensions and uh, their need perhaps to buy maybe more than they thought. That could, uh, that could play in, and, and that's the reason why uh, I'm a little cautious on that because we know that uh, a lot of those features – uh, take their time and, and, you know, in figuring out uh, what the needs are and so forth. There's so much uh, reading between the lines that has to be done. All right, Bryce, thanks a lot. Hey, next I'm going to talk with Matt Young and get a Farm Progress Show update. You'll be in Boone, Iowa, August 28th through the 30th, right? Yeah, and you know what? I, I, I will be, and I'm looking forward to it. And over the weekend, Mike, there was just that little bit of a scent of mid to late summer that I felt when I was uh, doing some yard work and everything over the weekend. And I thought, by golly, it's only about a month and a half until the Farm Progress Show, and I can't wait to be there. Yeah, it's starting to I get that I sincerely thought that, so tell them hi. I, I will, but I'm like you. Yeah, you're starting to get that, that sense, that feel that it's getting close. All right, Bryce, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. You're welcome, Mike. DTN meteorologist Bryce Anderson. That's right, only six weeks away from the Farm Progress Show coming up August 28th through the 30th in Boone, Iowa. And our Farm Progress Show preview series coming up next as we get an update from the director of trade shows for Farm Progress, Matt Youngman. How are things going at the show side as they get ready for the big show? We'll find out next on AOA, Adams on Agriculture.
What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over five million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. 
Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And it's time for a Farm Progress Show preview brought to you by Acuron Corn Herbicide from Syngenta, an upgrade for growers who don't settle for average. Acuron is a restricted-use pesticide. Well, we're just six weeks away, August 28th through the 30th, Boone, Iowa, and Director of Trade Shows for Farm Progress, Matt Youngman, is with us. Matt, starting to get the go time now, isn't it? Yeah, you can you can start to feel the, the tension ramp up. You know, we're sitting here proofing the final details for the show program, and, and we're just kind of making the plans with the first semi-loads of tents and wood chips and things that are going to start rolling in here in the month of July. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're at that transition point where we're no longer, uh, no longer planning things. Now it's, now it's actually make it happen. How do the crops look? You know, really good. Uh, it's it's been a you know it's always a, a, a tough growing season. It takes it takes a lot of different variances to make an average, but it's nowhere near average. It's been um, uh, you know plenty of rain. We've we've lost a few of the low spots here and there, but uh, you know the good thing as you've gone through this with me for several years, you understand that that the thing I'm tracking most is the heat units to make sure that we're mm-hmm. we're accumulating enough heat units to to get to a mature crop on opening day of the show and it looks like we're in great shape for that everything pollinated really well and now we're to to you know we're well into kernel fill and and you know on on our way to having a a good crop to demonstrate on august 28th because that really is a, a a pressure point for you matt for the show it's it's so critical to have uh, crops ready for the field demos and so you're always under that gun the race is on to have crops ready by the end of august yeah, you know, we're tracking it. Um, we're tracking it for Boone, and we also, you know, we have a different maturity two weeks later for Husker Harvest Days. And, and I should mention that everything is, is coming together really well out there too. Uh, should have great demonstrations. The alfalfa crop's been performing really well. You know, it's it's it seems to be a little bit more of a of an, an easy thing at Husker because it's been the same forever and ever and ever. You know, we've we've been at this early show dates for Farm Progress Show. Uh, for just over a decade now, and so we're we're starting to get to that point where we've kind of got it mastered. But it's still, it, it's still nip and tuck sometimes. This year, fortunately, it's not. Well, we're looking forward to the next couple of uh, Farm Progress Show preview uh, updates. We're going to talk with some uh, Syngenta agronomists and get their thoughts on the crops uh, there in the uh, the Boone areas. We get ready for the show coming up August twenty eighth, twenty ninth, and thirtieth. So, what are your timelines now? 
uh, Matt, that you uh, will be uh, watching uh, as we get towards the show day? Uh, you know, the the a lot of the things that that I work on are starting to close are starting to close out for Farm Progress Show now. It, you know, Rick Wilds, the operations manager, and he's on site and he's really really ramping up and. and uh, dealing with the vendors that are coming in to set things up and staking out the exhibit field, starting to get the tents stood up and, and those kind of things. My my focus is really switching here over the course of the next week and a half or so, switching over to Husker Harvest Days, getting the, the contractors kicked out and, and do, putting the final touches on that renovation that happened out there. I'm really focusing and spending a lot of my effort on Husker Harvest Days right now. So if you're doing that, that means things are pretty well in place and set and moving along uh, as hoped for for farm progress in Boone. Absolutely. Everything is everything's in great shape. Show site's full uh, at both facilities, so uh, should be a, a, a really fantastic uh, August and September in, in Boone and Grand Island. How often do you check the long-range forecasts? <laughs> well, I... Um, I, I start looking at that about now, but I don't start losing sleep about it until about 10 days out from the show. That's when they, that's when they start popping things into the forecast that make me nervous. But, you know, and, and I've been, you know, Mike, you and I have been through this thing a long time, and, and, and I've kind of come to a piece that, that there just isn't all that much I can do about the forecast. I can have a plan together to make sure to keep everybody safe as possible and, and do whatever we can to make a, make a good, good weatherproof facility as much as Mother Nature will allow. Yeah, and that's right. You can't control the weather, but you have your contingency plans, your backup plans, and now enough experience at the show sites that okay, we can we know this happened in such and such a year, and this is what we did, and so some of that experience really helps, doesn't it? It 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 does, and and you know not 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 even experienced by our team, but just experienced by law enforcement, experienced by the the emergency management folks, the EMS folks, everybody just. Now that we've been in all these places enough times, they kind of we all know how each other think, and we all know how each other are going to respond. And so, um, you know, we've been through enough fires to, to be able to handle it pretty well. So you've told us before you're going to have uh, some things, more things uh, for the livestock folks. You're also, as far as out in the field, some tiling demonstrations. Uh, these are key parts of the show that I know you're excited about. I'm having a little trouble hearing you, Mike, but yeah, we've, we've got a lot of new things coming, a lot of product introductions and tiling demonstrations being being introduced at the at the Boone Show this year, so we're really excited for, for all of that. All right, so uh, hopefully you can, you can hear me now as we as we wrap this up. So any reminders for folks that will be coming to the show in Boone August 28th, 29th, and 30th? Uh, for those that uh, have been there before, it's going to be pretty similar. For those that haven't been there, what should they be watching for? Well, you know, it, traffic is traffic is easy. We're right there on a four lane, so easy to get in and get out. Um, just make yourself to Highway 30 and head west from Ames. Uh, plenty of room still in the Ankeny and Des Moines area. You can get to those through the website, through farmprogressshow.com. Uh, buy, your, buy your advance tickets at a discount. Plan your show out with the planner. Uh, should make things, you know, if you spend a little bit of time on that website, it should make your, your visit to the show really a lot more efficient. Right. Check out the website for sure. Well, you're already working on on Husker Harvest Days, so uh, we know things are moving right along, and that's just a couple weeks after Farm Progress Show, so a lot happening coming up very, very soon. Matt, as always, thank you for the update. We'll be in touch. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike.
Take care. Matt Youngman, Director of Trade Shows for Farm Progress. And our Farm Progress Show preview show brought to you by Acuron Corn Herbicide from Syngenta, an upgrade for growers who don't settle for average. Acuron is a restricted-use pesticide. As I mentioned, in our next couple of uh, uh, reports on the Farm Progress Show, uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking with some of the Syngenta agronomists working that area around Boone, so we'll have a even a better idea of how crops are looking there and what you might expect when you go to this year's Farm Progress Show. Well, coming up tomorrow, we're going to take a look at this ongoing debate over whether you call it fake meat or clean meat. These, uh, this is a whole new area, and who has jurisdiction, FDA, FDA or USDA? That's a big debate. We'll talk about that and also look at some of these dry conditions in states like Missouri. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. 